0: the blaze radio network on demand you're listening to pure opelka
1: this is pure opelka
0: with mike opelka
1: only on the blaze radio network
2: hello friends Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. I am I'm very happy you're here. I need your help. Help today. I that's that's so desperate I've extended the word to help. I need your help today. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. That's the phone number. Join the conversation. Uh I I need the I need the testudo move to happen today I need all the shields to come together and uh, help me out it's a Tuesday Tuesday I was born on a Tuesday a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and uh, a Tuesday afternoon in a raging thunderstorm in Chicago the lights went out in fact the lights at the hospital even went out in fact to this day my mother and father, well, they, they can't do it anymore, but they used to tell me they don't know if they got the right kid. My dad was on the golf course when I was born. It's a different story. It's another therapy session. But anyway, Tuesdays are hard days for me. That's the day I showed up in this world on a Tuesday at 2.38 in the afternoon. And it was on that uh, rainy Chicago afternoon that I showed up. So they, they always say the day you were born, the day of the week you were born is a day that is biorhythmically difficult for you. Hence, uh, my my issue with Tuesdays continues as today is becoming very difficult. We were supposed to have Congressman Loudermilk join us today. He was at the softball game last week. He's the guy who's done some amazing things. And uh, he's got he's got some interesting legislation he's he's promoting. And I wanted to talk to him about it. His travel schedule changed and early this morning he said not going to be able to make it. Let's do it tomorrow. So I expect him to be there tomorrow, which would be great. So I'm, I'm hoping that happens. We were also supposed to be joined this morning Like, right now, actually, we were going to record it in the morning at 11 o'clock Eastern and play it. We were supposed to be joined right now by Karen Handel from the 6th District in Georgia. But literally minutes, a handful of minutes before that interview was supposed to happen... Handel's people called and said, uh, they didn't call, they just wrote and said, "Uh, we were just about to write you, this is not going to be able to happen today. You're kidding me, right? We danced all day yesterday, Karen Handel, right? Ten minutes of your time you couldn't spare? Well, what about tomorrow, they said. "What What about Wednesday? Can we talk Wednesday? Well, yeah, sure we could talk Wednesday. But Wednesday, Karen Handel, is either going to be An afterthought or a new congressperson? Do I want to talk to a member of Congress? Sure, always. Especially someone who is involved in a historic race that will will go down in history as the most expensive congressional race ever. I would love to talk to that person, but we don't know if that's going to happen. The polls are very close. In some polls, she's actually behind John Ossoff. So, um, you know, I don't want to be Charlie Brown running to kick the football and have Lucy pull it out again. So I, I didn't say, yeah, sure, thanks. I just said, uh, you know, I really, I really don't think this is uh, the way you, you deal with the press. We don't play that game. You can't find 10 minutes as you're driving from whatever polling station to the next to give us a call. I hope the GOP keeps, keeps the, uh, the seat. Either way, this is an outlier in terms of elections. You, I don't think there's any way, shape, or form you can consider that anything that happens in the 6th District in Georgia is going to be an indicator for 2018. No, all it's going to say is somebody spent a buttload of money and got elected. Whoever gets elected, you can say that. This person spent a buttload of money and got elected. This person spent a buttload of money and got elected. And all I wonder, if I'm one of those people in that district, on either side of the aisle, all I'm wondering is what could that 40 to $60 million have done in terms of good in the 6th District? What could that could a million dollars of that have funded an entrepreneur to do a startup business based in the district and hire some people? Imagine if imagine if uh, if you gave a million dollars to 50 entrepreneurs. In the sixth district of Georgia. And they created businesses. Chances are. Half of them are going to be out of business in the first or second year. But those are jobs you would have created in your district. Those might have led to new ideas that would spark other ideas that would then cascade down into the district. Those jobs would then fund purchases of homes. Those would be taxpayers who would then help the tax base for the education system. Instead, the money went into TV and radio stations and to some print ads for signs. So, again, my argument for major campaign finance reform surfaces. Look no further than the 6th District of Georgia to see why I, I think we are missing the boat big time. And maybe that's the issue that will draw left and right together. The insane amount of money spent on a single district and most of that money, I think the more than the lion's share, the overwhelming, what is it, over 90% of it came from outside of the district? Maybe it's 95% came from outside of the district with 90% coming from outside of the state. And this is not a, an isolated case. Look at Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, congressman from Wisconsin. Where do you think most of his campaign funding comes from? Not from Wisconsin. A lot of it comes from D.C. because there's a lot of lobbyists in D.C. who want to make sure Paul Ryan gets elected and stays Speaker of the House. You see, it's a sickness. It really is a sickness. And we need to address it. But uh, we we here at Puro Palka today are the casualty of the craziness in the race in Georgia today. And we'll know in a few hours, all this will be over in a few hours, I guess. We'll know, does Georgia have an Ossoff in, in Congress or do we have a Handel? Ossoff or Handle? I don't know about you, but... On days like this when you're frustrated, on days like this when your plans seem to be sliding off into the abyss only to be chomped on by the anglerfish. Look it up. Just look up. See the anglerfish. You'll, you'll realize the terror we're dealing with. Your plans are chomped on by the anglerfish deep, deep, deep in the abyss. You want to say the word Asof over and over again. You want to call people who cut you off in traffic an "assoff." And what are you, an Ossoff? Okay, I'm, I'm venting a little bit. Okay, a lot. There are a lot of things that just irritate me today. So uh, I need you to help. I want you to discuss whatever you want to discuss today. I have some questions for all of you. If you believe campaign finance reform is an important issue, yeah, weigh in or if you think if you think it's not, if you think we should just let it go, weigh in. but it certainly seems to me that money money can change an election, and there's I've brought this up to. Friends of mine who say, you know, friends who are big supporters of Donald Trump, they say, well, a billion dollars didn't get Hillary elected. Thank God. And I say, "Okay, fair point. But look at how many times money is now really the reason an election goes one way or another. Shouldn't it be about the candidate? Shouldn't the candidate be telling us about their beliefs? and about their principles, and about what their plans are going to be. Instead of telling us who they're affiliated with, whether it's a a political action committee, whether it's a a wealthy donor, whether it's a party that has connections to political action committees and very wealthy donors. Shouldn't we be talking about the person, not the party? The election in Georgia is about the party. I certainly don't think it's about the person. I don't know much about John Ossoff other than he's, he's married to, a or not married, he's dating a woman who's going to be a doctor and she lives outside of the district. So he lives outside of the district because he wanted to be there to support her during her medical school. We all know people have been through medical school. You know what they need in terms of support? Space so they can study and sleep when they get time. You could have been in your district meeting the people of the district. And Karen Handel, she does seem like a lifelong politician, doesn't she? I really wanted to get her on the phone today and, and ask some questions about what she supports and believes. I I know she she was... Um, was a VP of public policy for a Planned Parenthood group. No, no, not Planned Parenthood. I'm sorry. For uh, a breast cancer, the Susan G. Coleman Foundation in Georgia. And she was a person who stood up for pro life causes by saying we shouldn't be funding Planned Parenthood. I know a little bit about her. I know she wanted to run for governor, and that didn't work. So I was looking forward to talking to Susan Handel right here, right now. Not happening. We will talk about some other things I've noticed. And there's crazy news in the world today. And we're going to speak with a... We are scheduled... I shouldn't say we are going to speak. We are scheduled to speak with a man who just returned from North Korea. In about an hour, we're going to talk to a guy who was in North Korea... And was sending pictures home, and you all know that when you send pictures home from North Korea, they've been screened. In other words, you are constantly monitored when you're on the road in North Korea. There's always a member of the government with you. So every photo he sent home was pre-screened. So I'll I'll, um, hopefully get him on. I wanted to talk with this gentleman because A. He just came back from North Korea and he would have a unique perspective on what that very closed, closed empire is all about, especially in the wake of the tragic death of Otto Warmbier. So we'll get into all that today. And uh, guess what? There's supposed to be a White House briefing on camera. And uh, the reporters are going to be allowed to be in there, not just with their pens and pencils, but cameras and microphones. So we're actually going to see Spicy Spicer handling the, the press today. Maybe there'll be something interesting to come out of it. Yesterday, the closed door press briefing with, with no discussion allowed, at least uh, no recording of the discussion, just pen and paper. And there were hints that we'd be able to get uh, the news on the tapes which is still an interesting question. Uh, I have a vital question of the day developing. You'll get that. And uh, we'll try and get this thing back on the rails. But uh, the, the phone number is 888 to, 900 um To Kate, who wrote and wants to know the golf course story about what my dad was doing on the golf course the day I was born. Maybe we'll get to that. There's, there's plenty more interesting things in the news today than that. Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today.
1: To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka.
2: I know what you're thinking. Mike's angry. Mike's angry. And um, perhaps a little. But perhaps I, I woke up in the middle of the night or, or not the, quite the middle of the night, but the time I usually get up, just, just a few minutes before my alarm goes off at 4 a.m. in the East Coast. And uh, my back was bugging me. And, and I thought, uh-oh, that's not good. I got pain in my back, and it, it was hurting. And then I remembered I had moved an air conditioner yesterday. An 80-pound air conditioner had to be moved and remounted, and I did it by my own self, and my back was screaming. And I haven't taken uh, any, any pain medication at all since I started taking Relief Factor, the all-natural anti-inflammatory it's it's a great product and I thought, you know what? I didn't even think about that. I should have taken a little extra relief factor last night before I went to bed so I I ran downstairs as I was getting ready to do my prep in the morning and I snagged an early relief factor I had a breakfast cuz I usually take it breakfast, lunch and dinner and I took it all natural relief factor. I can tell you I have not taken an Advil uh uh, anything, a leave, an aspirin, any over-the-counter pain med, or, or any kind of prescription medication, in almost sixteen weeks. And guess what? The pain from my overexertion of the back is gone. The inflammation is down. The relief factor is doing its job. You you have the problems. You have aches and pains in your neck, back, hips, uh, w- whatever. Your knees. Try what worked for me. Get the three-week quick start pack for nineteen ninety-five. 95 Call them. Here's the number. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. Relief Factor. It works for me. It works for Brad Staggs. It works for Doc Thompson, thousands of others. Go to relieffactor.com and check it out. ReliefFactor.com. 800-500-8384. Ah, It's going to be a busy day. And I wonder, uh, do you think uh, Sean Spicer's really out as we're hearing the, the rumors now that Spicer's getting an air quotes here promoted? He's going to be moved up the food chain. And if so, who is it? I tend to think it's going to be Laura Ingram. I do. I do. I think Laura Ingram is. The one who initially said she wasn't interested in it, but I think uh, I think she's going to make it. We'll see. If we get an announcement on the tapes today, we'll see. We'll find out. There's an interesting story just passed around the inside of the blaze that I, I'm I'm thinking about Bravo Sierra on this one. A guy named Jerry Lynn out of uh, the Pittsburgh area called a radio station and told the radio station that um, he dropped a battery-powered alarm clock into a vent in 2004, and it's been going off every day for the past 13 years. He told the radio station he lost the clock inside the wall while using it as a tool during some home improvement project he was doing. He, He apparently... Claims that he tied a string around the clock, lowered it through a vent, hoping to use the sound of its beeping to tell him where to drill the hole in the wall. Sounds like something I would try to do. Sounds like something most of uh, us guys would think, hey, here's a good idea. Let's let's lower a beeping alarm clock. It it went thunk, And it's been in the wall, apparently. 13 years, they're saying. And it still goes off, they claim, at 6.50 in the evening every night. Now, for me, that would be a good 10-minute warning before Jeopardy! comes on. I also, here's why I don't believe the story. I would love to find out from Mr. Lynn and his wife Sylvia. I would love to witness it for myself. When's the last time you had a battery that lasted for 13 years? I'm sorry, Jerry Lynn. The name's too generic for me, too. Jerry Lynn. I don't know if I'm believing this one. I might be throwing the Bravo Sierra flag on this. Come on back after the break. We'll have some fun.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka.
1: On the Blaze Radio Network.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike
1: Opelka, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Do you ever get the feeling that uh, a lot of the broadcasting that's coming out of the news channels is just noise? That maybe we should call them noise channels instead of news channels? That maybe they're just filling time till the next disaster or tragedy strikes? Do you ever get that feeling? Because watching the massive panels and the roundtables and the endless blathering on most of these news channels trying to talk about, right now, it's the whataboutery factor. Whataboutery. And I'll tell you what I'm talking about. This is in reference to health care. Last night we had the Senate and those, those brave Democrats in the Senate actually stayed up till midnight on a school night and they talked until midnight and I know what you're thinking they probably had one guy who was just really strong or one woman one person who was really strong and could stand up and talk the whole time and do what they call filibustering no they couldn't even do that these weasels these wimps these weenies stood up there last night and they held the Senate. Yes, they did. They held the floor of the Senate till midnight. Wow. They are incredible specimens of humanity able to do that. To stand up there and say horrible things about the other side and to say that the other side was hiding something that was so shameful because it was going to kill millions of people it was going to be essentially the healthcare holocaust it's it's amazing to me that that we could have then the coverage of that same non-event go non-stop on CNN And they point out the obvious thing to all of us. I woke up this morning and it felt like I was really, truly, honestly living in an Orwellian world. Where Oceania had become Eurasia and the Ministry of Information was actually telling me that 2 plus 2 did equal 5 and I better get the same answer. And I was reading about C-SPAN demanding, demanding that one party open up their secret health reform talks. Really, I, I was, I was remembering, remembering the day that um, an institution in Washington whose integrity is rarely in question. As a matter of fact, pretty much never in question. We're talking about C-SPAN. C-SPAN, which when they have call-in shows, they have a Democratic line, they have a Republican line, and they have an Independent line. And you get to dial the number to get into the line that matches your political leanings. C-SPAN actually freaked out and said, these secret government meetings about health care and health reform have to stop. We have to get the doors open. C-SPAN demanding that. of Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid. Yeah, this was way back in the day, in December of, of 2009, when Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid basically locked out the GOP in the creation of the Obamacare bill. You know, we wanted to follow the bill. Voters wanted to follow the health care bill that ultimately became Obamacare. And they weren't weren't allowed to. We weren't allowed to because the Democrats had unstoppable control of the House and the Senate, specifically the Senate with their 60 votes. So they blocked the GOP. At one point, one of the things that that the, the Democrats did instead of just blocking it, they actually, and they actually did this. You can track this down. They changed the locks on a committee hearing room. The House Oversight Committee informed the GOP in October of 2009 that they were changing the locks on the committee hearing room. See, the Republicans used to have their own keys. They'd go into that room. But the battle over health care and the battle over the discussion of uh, the countrywide VIP loan scandal had gotten to the point where the the Democrats didn't want any involvement from the Republicans. So they changed the lock on a committee room. In order to get into the committee room, you had to go and get permission. This was 2009 and 2010 and, and the animus carried over all the way through the passage of Obamacare. Let's not kid ourselves. This went all the way through to the passage of Obamacare. So you had C-SPAN demanding that Democrats open up the secret health reform talks. You had Democrats locking out the GOP. You have to go get the key. And I always thought to myself as we watched people complaining about it we watched Republicans complaining publicly saying how dare the Democrats do this under cover of darkness how dare the Democrats not permit the GOP to be involved in the creation of this this titanic health care bill that covers one-sixth of the American economy does that fraction sound familiar because you're sure hearing it a lot today and oh I heard it a lot last night in the temper tantrum that was the Democrats stomping till midnight. They finally wore themselves out and went to bed. But all of this happened before. We just had different jerseys. They just switched jerseys, switch uniforms. The whole thing has happened before, and we're the dupes. We're the ones who are the fools in this game. So I I really want Obamacare removed and replaced. I want to get the healthcare situation fixed. But I didn't want the Republicans to go in and become Democrats. I didn't want the Republicans to exhibit the same bad behavior, the same lack of graciousness. And yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, if we let them into the committee meetings and let them into the study group helping to write the bill, nothing would ever get done. No, that's not what you do. You gotta be smarter than that. You gotta get Joe Manchin in a corner, get a couple of drinks in him, go, look, Joe, you're up for election in twenty eighteen. We can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. I'm no, I'm not advocating any kind of muscling in on Joe Manchin. All I'm saying is luck. If you had one Democrat in that meeting, one Democrat who was up for reelection in a state that's so reliably read that he needs he needs to look like he's a Bipartisan guy You would have had the ability to say We're being bipartisan But no You're playing the same damn game GOP You're playing the same damn game You just might as well come out and say We're going to have to pass the bill To find out what's in it It's an embarrassment And anybody who says Well the Democrats did it Well guess what It wasn't right then And it's not right now You disagree with me? You agree with me way in triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three I really think what they're going to do is so foolish because we're gonna have this vote so we can make sure this all comes together before Independence Day gonna have a vote a week from Thursday, and then we'll hear on Thursday, well, we're not quite sure. So maybe we'll have the vote on Friday or maybe we'll have to stay all weekend. Maybe we'll have to give up our 4th of July break. It's just about foolishness. And it's not about the job we sent them to Washington to do. And that is make our lives better. To get rid of this onerous health care system and replace it with something better. But you're not going to get it done if you set yourself up for this kind of a battle, this, the same thing that happened in 2009 and into 2010. It really is disturbing to me. And I, you know, I don't know where to turn because uh, they're doing what they want to do. It's not as if any of them are actually listening to us. I think the only chance we will have with this is in 2018. The only chance we'll get to fix this is at the at the voting booth in 2018. My only fear is it's going to be too late. It certainly does look like we have a really bad case of what about what they did in 2009. I'm not going there. Taking a break. When we get back. I got a couple different places to go. I, there's a brand new board game out or, uh, that, that you might want to know about. I think it's kind of interesting. It uh, it's actually deals with fake news and real news and alternate facts. Huh. Maybe we'll get to that or one of the other distractions for a minute. Uh, later in the show, we do have a gentleman who's just returned from North Korea. The Otto Warmbier story is more than disturbing and it's a this is a diplomatic tightrope we have to be on right now. Well, we might get into that. And um I I got an old piece of tape that I have to play too that's got some very interesting positions from Democrats. But this healthcare thing and the way it's being covered and the way it's being handled is so disturbing. So I know I've been in a little bit of a rant here, but I don't like waking up in George Orwell's 1984, and that's certainly where I feel I am. So I would love it if those on the conservative side of the aisle would act like it. Michael Opelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. A lot to talk about yet today. Yeah, we're going to talk some more about out of warm beer and the uh, murder of an American by the North Korean government. And uh, hopefully get the perspective of somebody who was just in North Korea very recently. He happens to be a law enforcement professional. That's at the bottom of the next hour and uh it's been it's been a day that's irritated me i'm gonna be honest with you guys i tell you pretty much what's going on all the time but it feels like a day it's out to work my last good nerve and then in the break i check the the email because so many of you will write me letters and say hey uh, why why so angry today mike (laughs) coming off the ledge but i just got this email and i'm i of course it's not for me uh but i'll i'll for i think I'll forward this on to Shamont, who's pushing the buttons in dallas uh and and maybe he'll have better use of this. Hi, dear, hope that you are fine and having a wonderful day. yeah, there's a question mark at the end of that sentence. These usually then ask for money to help somebody out of a country, but no uh this continues. I am Nadia Abdul from America. Oh, no kidding. That Nadia Abdul from America. Born in 1981. I am a nurse by profession and am looking for friendship and a serious relationship that could lead to marriage. Well, there you go. Isn't that lovely? I like to know more about you and await your reply. I have attached my picture. I like you to get back to me as soon as you can, hoping to hear from you. Nadia I am going to send this on to my coworker worker Lynch, who will take care of uh, the response on this. Uh, I'm not even going to push download on your pictures because I'm afraid there's some sort of virus. But I, I love the fact that she writes, I am Nadia Abdul from America. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Nadia Abdul. Uh, so in the midst of all the madness, uh, something good has come of this something interesting something silly something stupid has come out of this day you know um a couple other topics i'm i'm looking at here in today's pile of topics the united states navy destroyer that was hit the fitzgerald that was struck by the philippine ship we're now reading that that ship had its transponder turned off and was not, was not uh, displaying any running lights. Was our ship rammed? Could this have been an aggressive act? Do we have great relationships with the Philippines? Isn't that where that guy Duterte is? Could something have been here other than an innocent collision? We were hit broadside, we were hit by a cargo ship five times the size of our ship with a bulbous bow that punctured underneath the water's surface. There's more we don't know about that accident, and as we are burying the heroes who gave up their lives that, that evening, we owe it to them and to their families to find out what the hell happened. I'm just saying. And we owe it to the members of Congress, especially those from states who lost someone, to follow up and let us know. We'll keep an eye on that one. And we'll be right back.
0: Pure Opelka
1: with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: The Blaze Radio Network on demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka.
1: This is Pure Opelka
2: with Mike Opelka.
1: Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Well-o, well well How about that? Uh, third hour, Puro Pelka today. We are trying to monitor everything going on. Interesting discussion with the gentleman who just spent six days and five nights in North Korea. I really would like to know, though, you got to break away from those tours. Because I, I don't think North Korea lets you see anything they don't want the rest of the world to see. Certainly, we didn't see where Otto Warmbier ended up. You know, that's, uh, that's obvious. It would have been wonderful had we seen where Otto Warmbier ended up. Not wonderful, but it would have been more educational. I think, I think any country wants you to see the best. They don't want you to fly into the worst parts. But uh, Brian Saylor's pictures do show... The, the places that North Korea wants you to see. And there are a couple of shots of some farmland that show people actually working in the farms. They're kind of interesting. Their technology centers, their spending on te- technology is amazing when you look at the, the buildings they have. But I really do find it spooky to see that these cities, these, these huge cities and these buildings are, are pretty much empty. And it, it's very clean. I guess they probably kill you if you drop a, a gum wrapper on the ground. But it, it really was a fascinating discussion. And he seems to be a guy who would like us to be more diplomatic. I don't think North Korea is really an open place. That's the problem. Until it's an open place, we really can't understand what the heck's going on there. Interesting. A couple of stories that I'm watching as we're monitoring any any big news out of Washington. Sean Spicer has uh, the, big, the big news in his first on-camera press conference in eight days. The big news is that uh, he's not denying he's stepping down or moving away from handling the press briefings every day. That's, that's something he can't actually admit to. But we're waiting to see. And he also won't... Uh, won't tell anybody uh, he won't make a prediction or weigh in on on the sixth district in Georgia he did uh, he did get quizzed on a little bit and he responded to the question what you might expect
4: um, look I, I've said before I'm not going to comment on the political nature of, of an ongoing race that being said I think if you look historically um, special elections um, generally don't foretell a, a, the outcome of you know a, races multiple years down the road Uh, this is a race that the president or a a district of the president won by one point it's obviously going to be competitive um, but uh, we'll have to see tonight obviously that's up to the people of Georgia's sixth district to decide
2: yeah obviously but the, the question was you know will this be an indication of anything for 2018 and i think he got that absolutely right this is not going to be any sort of bellwether election here this is uh this is just a special election that also has a lot of money involved in it that has uh, very little time available uh, and and in terms of, of of what we can do of what we as as well you know we're we're not going to get a prediction out of him. The president's going to support the candidate uh He also answered uh on on the health care bill. He answered on the health care bill a question about uh, what's going on and details on the health care bill.
4: The president clearly wants a bill that has heart in it. Um, he believes that uh, health care is something that is near and dear to so many families and individuals. Um, he made it clear from the beginning that those that was one of his priorities and as the Senate works its way through this bill as the House did, um, any ideas are welcome to strengthen it to make it more affordable, more accessible and deliver the care that it needs. Uh, but this is an area that the President believes passionately about. He cares. He understands the role that health care plays in so many people's lives and their families. Um, and he wants to make sure that we do everything we can to provide the best option for him as Obamacare continues uh, to fail. Wait, and, is there
3: a specific part of this bill, though, that leads him well, to believe that the Senate is doing something?
4: There's, like that? I, I'm not. Again, th- this is an ongoing discussion with Senate leaders and individual senators that he's had. You know that we've brought a lot of those individuals to the white house uh, and there's been staff level meetings as well, secretary price and others. Uh, So I'm not going to get into the private discussions that have occurred, uh, but I will just say that uh, the more that we can do to produce a bill um, as it works its way through the process that achieves the president's goals. I think that's something that we can all agree on.
2: John. What Spicer is dancing around here. And I find very interesting is as this press conference is going on, as, as this is happening right now in DC, Mike Pence is meeting with the GOP leadership. Mike Pence is actually sitting down with the GOP leadership, and you know that they're talking health care because Pence is the guy who's been charged by the president to make sure that that gets that bill gets done. So while he's trying to basically uh, give party line stuff here, we know what's going on. There's some some wrangling happening right now because I'm sure. Because of what happened last night, and because of the way the Democrats are playing this, and because there are two, two Republican senators who are women who are saying, we're not sure we're going to vote for this, and there are two conservative senators, men, who are saying, Rand Paul being one of them, saying, we're not sure we're going to vote for this. That puts the GOP on the short side of things, and they're not going to get the bill through. So it's a very, very, very tough situation currently. Now, maybe there's a change. Uh, Spicer was also asked about what we're going to do about North Korea. As you remember, we were just talking about North Korea. What are we going to do about Otto Warmbier's death? And how will we put pressure on North Korea? Katie. Hey, Sean. Hey, Sean.
4: My first question is, does the administration
3: have anything to say to China
4: about the death of Otto Warmbier? Well, I think the President has spoken very clearly um, about uh, how he, the First Lady, and our country feels about the loss of this American. Uh, and obviously, um, when you look at um, how he was handled, it's something that we will continue to apply economic and political uh, pressure and try to continue to work with our allies. Uh, we've had, I think, positive movement on China over the past five months of this administration. Um, and we'll continue to work with them and others to put the appropriate pressure on North Korea uh, to change this behavior and, uh, and this regime. See,
2: I think the reality here, and I believe it's the the honest reality here, is we have three Americans there still being held by the North Koreans. And there's reportedly a Canadian. And also possibly a French prisoner of war. And that's really what they are. They're not criminals, as the North Koreans would have you believe. But they are, in fact, prisoners of war. And so I think it's really tough for for us to answer anything definitively on this. And it's going to be tough for a while. You know, I didn't get time to ask Brian Saylor what he would have thought about that question or what he would have done without a warm beer, or if he were even tempted at any point on his visit to grab uh, one of the political banners. Thank God he didn't. I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure he didn't want to do that, especially knowing, I, I, I wonder what the, uh, what the materials are like that they would give you before you go into uh, a country like North Korea. You know, like when you go camping in the Canadian Rockies you have to take a, a bear course before you go in, a 30-minute course on how to deal with the bears in, in the mountains and in the woods. So I'm sure they give you at least a 30-minute course or some pamphlets on what not to do if you are, uh, if you are in North Korea and you're tempted to take a, a poster. Just a, a simple thing. I just got handed this. And this I I just I don't know what to say, people. I really don't know what to say. If if this is where our world is going, if this is if this is the next phase for for America and the free world, I think we have a problem. The new Ken doll has been introduced. You know, Barbie and Ken. Mattel has come out with. Barbie's new boyfriend Kendall, and uh, one of the versions has a man bun. One of the versions of the brand new Kendall has a man bun. Uh, they're introducing as a matter of fact, fifteen new looks of Kendalls and why not why why make it a Kendall? Why not why can't we have just a whole bunch of genders now? And I shouldn't even say that out loud because somebody's going to do it. But Mattel, just today, has introduced the new Ken dolls, including different skin tones, body shapes, hairstyles. And uh, I'm I'm guessing you're going to be able to gender identify different Ken dolls, but one of them, I guess it's the hipster Ken doll, has cornrows. One of them has a man bun. One of them wears hipster shorts. A bunch of them wear hipster shorts. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I ever opened up this story. I'm sorry I ever picked up the paper that was handed to me and said, hey, you might like this. This is funny. No, it's not funny. It's the end of the world as we know it. Now, apparently Ken was in need of a makeover, says the editor-in-chief of the Toy Review website, TTPM kids who played with their new Barbie dolls that have been given a makeover don't want an outdated Ken doll and they had to update the storyline. I understand. I understand that you want to update the Ken doll, but the man bun, now we've gone too far. Seriously. I'll tweet out a link to the story and you guys can tell me if you think the world's coming to an end. And when we come back, maybe we'll get some real news out of london our friend simon owen is in london he's covering the uh terror attack in paris as well as the alleged or reportedly possible revenge terror attack in london from two nights ago that's next on pure opelka
0: you're listening to pure opelka with mike opelka on the blaze radio network
1: is pure pelka with michael pelka on the blaze radio network
2: we've talked to him before he's our buddy from london his name is simon owen he reports uh for fox sometimes you hear him on fox radio he's he's based in london and he's he's everywhere but he covers the the general news beat i gotta ask him about wimbledon because there's a chance riley might get into wimbledon but uh i got to ask him about the news stuff first. So, Simon, uh, based on reports we're hearing, I want to talk about all the, the Paris story and the London story. But based on reports we're hearing, the London situation with the truck that ran over the people outside of the mosque, uh, is that being considered a, a revenge attack?
5: Well, I, I don't think we know. It's, it's certainly being treated as as terrorism, um, and the suspected a- attacker is is being held or, for terror offences, uh, as well as attempted murder. Uh, I mean, you, as you as you hint, you know, this this does follow a spate of Islamist attacks here in England, and then then you get an attack on a group of Muslims. And mm-hmm. just to recap, it was just after midnight, going into Monday morning. Uh, A van was driven into a group of Muslims who had recently left evening prayers at a mosque uh, here. And so there is the potential that, yes, this is a direct revenge for the recent Islamist attacks in England. At the same time, anti-Muslim, far-right, violent extremism is something that has concerned UK authorities for a while. And if we ever got sight of their watch list of people... Uh, suspected extremists who, in an ideal world, they would keep an eye on everybody on that list, then, you know, the, predominantly the biggest threat facing UK at the moment, I think it's fair to say, is Islamist extremism. But far-right extremism is something that concerns the authorities as well. So it may be that this is a broader thing. This was just a long-held grudge that was, uh, that was acted on uh, a couple of nights ago. So we don't know. But certainly uh, the way it went down does suggest that there maybe is some inspiration taken from recent attacks because... It involved a vehicle being driven into pedestrians that has happened twice in London since March it's happened elsewhere in western europe as well
2: mm. and and that's uh, i it's got to be nerve-wracking for everybody in, in not just london but all over the country and now yesterday in paris we had this this vehicle running into a police van and that even seems to be a little more concerning because of what they found inside correct
5: Yeah, this was uh, an incident on the Champs-Élysées, an iconic street in uh, the middle of Paris, uh, lined with really high-end luxury stores and restaurants and theatres, and it's a big tourist spot as well. And the Arc de Triomphe sits at one end. And indeed, uh, a police officer was killed by an Islamist attacker a couple of months ago, just before France uh, elected a new president. Uh, What we hear in this incident was there was a a car, this attacker had a car uh, which was loaded with Arms and explosives drove it into a police van. Uh, there was an explosion, and uh, police jumped out of their vehicle, ran to the car, pulled out the driver. Which sounds like they were perhaps attempting to uh, to save him, but the driver uh, died in the blast. So uh, a dramatic attack, but the only person injured in this one was uh, was the attacker who was killed. Mm.
2: And we don't—they have not released an identity or said any connections to. Other groups have been identified yet.
5: They, they have actually put his name out. Um, according to French media reports, he, he's being named as Adam Jazari, uh, a 31-year-old from a suburb of, of Paris. And the key thing here, which fits the pattern with previous attacks in France, he had been on the police radar for uh, connections to radicalism. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, then
2: that makes sense. And it's like you said, it, it's almost impossible to keep track and keep watch on every person on every list. It's, it's got to be a daunting task. I, I certainly appreciate your, your on-the-ground reports there, Simon, and I love catching up when I see you on TV, I stop. Uh, big question for you. Can I talk about something a little lighter
5: yeah, please do. It's okay. been a heavy month.
2: Good, good. Uh, we're we're like uh, two weeks away from uh, the fortnight known as Wimbledon. Will you be? Will you get that assignment?
5: <laughs> uh, do you know what? Most years I try. I try and find an American connection, and say to the office in New York, I really think we should be down there. But in a previous job, I I got to cover it every. Yeah, well, every look, day. Here, let me with, help. With uh, a box on center court, you know, <sighs> it was an incredible gig, and it, it's a it's a special place. And you know, it's hard work to get tickets. You have to queue up and you line up for hours early in the morning to get in, but uh, you are rewarded with a day of excellent tennis in a beautiful ground.
2: Oh, I, I was there in 2015, and here's I have an evil plan for you, Simon. Maybe I can help you out. <laughs> I have a nephew who's a 19-year-old pro. He's in the qualifier tournaments trying to get in. But there are a host of young Americans. So if you need an American connection, if, if Riley Opelka gets in, I will, I will vouch that you need to cover it so we can have a correspondent there. Let me know who I need to talk to.
5: Uh, you, you know, one of the really curious things I think about Wimbledon, and very British way of doing things, you know Brits love to queue. Yeah. Uh, join lines, make lines. When you go to Wimbledon and try and get tickets early in the morning, you are given a leaflet describing how to queue. That is how seriously uh, they take it at oh, the tennis. But to be fair, kidding. everyone gets in in a very orderly manner.
2: You're, you are absolutely not kidding. It is amazing to see. Simon Owen, we so appreciate you. And uh, maybe, maybe we can conspire to make that Wimbledon assignment happen. <laughs> I'll work out. Keep, it.
5: Me, keep in touch. Keep that, in touch. Thank
2: you, sir. Take care. Oh. Simon Owen, the guy who's got the good gig, and can you imagine that job to be courtside, in a box, center court, covering Wimbledon? Yeah, that would be something I would would aspire to do, and we'll know. uh, the, The young one, Riley, is still an outside shot for this year, for those of you who will wonder. All right, enough of my uh, inside baseball on tennis. See what I did there mixing my sports metaphors? When we get back, I noticed something on C-SPAN that uh, reminded me of the PTL Club. Anyone remember the PTL Club with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? Anybody? The craziness of the PTL Club? Well, I noticed something yesterday might have even been very early this morning, involving Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. They might be the Jimmy Baker and Tammy Faye Baker of the Democratic Party. I'll explain what I mean. I'll play an example next on Piero Pelka.
0: Pure Opelka
1: with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: I know it's nothing new to those of you who've been uh, part of this program for a long time, but I tend to have a a little bit of a different view of the world. I tend to look at things through uh, (laughs) a different tint on my glasses, if you will. And I see things, and and sometimes they connect me to previous times, and sometimes they just infuriate me, as the man bun on the Ken doll did. And sometimes they make me say, wait a minute, is this happening again? As we talked about the changing of jerseys between the GOP and the Democrats on this this hidden health care bill. It's 2009 all over again. Just different teams shouting the same argument at each other. And yesterday, I think this was yesterday, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren made an appearance on C-SPAN. And they were, it it reminded me of something as I I watched this unfold, these two hyper-progressives talking to the audience and they, of course, were talking about the healthcare plan that the GOP is trying to push forward, the uh replace Obamacare plan. And as I'm watching this, I'm suddenly awash in the feeling that I've seen this before, that I've that I've experienced this somewhere before. It's an incredible deja vu moment. But I'm also awash in the feeling of a topic that's been approached not only here but on I think on Glenn's show and some of the other shows I think Doc has even talked about this to some people many of the many of the millennials politics has become their religion and I I understand that that religion and faith for so many years in the in the university systems Religion and faith was taken apart, specifically Christianity was, was mocked ad nauseum. And so I can understand why people who have drifted away from Christianity or faith might be looking for something else that they could latch on to and, and have direction in their lives. And for many people, many young people without faith, politics has filled that gap. And so as I'm watching Jimmy... Or as, well, there, I just tipped it off. As I'm watching Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren on this television program, I started having this flashback to something that, that happened for years on television and ended up being a massive scandal, and it was the old 700 Club, the PTL, the Praise the Lord Club with Jim Baker and Tammy Faye Baker a gigantic television ministry that ended up a wash in cash and not long after it a wash in scandal and criminal charges and ultimately the downfall of the 700 club and the PTL club and the the scandal of Jim and Tammy Faye with the air conditioned doghouse that the the pensioners had paid for sending in to the PTL club and the 700 club their, their hard-earned dollars and their social security checks to fund the lavish lifestyle of these televangelists uh, who invaded their homes every night in the name of God. Well, in the name of the political gods, the progressives, the Bernie and Elizabeth, the Jim and Tammy Faye of the progressive religion— I'm telling you, I'm feeling the same thing. I get the same vibe out of these two. Uh, I remember the final broadcast of the PTL Club as Jim Baker was forced out of their palatial estate. He was headed to prison. Tammy Faye was headed to the freak talk show circuit. And uh, I think she's no longer with us. I don't know if he's still... Yes, he's still around. He's now got... a a new Tammy Faye co-host and they're selling survival food. But this was from their final episode back in um, March of 1987. So we're talking 30 years ago. And they they were in this beautiful house. It really was an amazing piece of property that all those, all those quote believers who bought into their carnival stuff, it wasn't about faith. It was about swindling people. Here's here's just a snippet of this final episode, and then wait till you hear Bernie and Elizabeth. I swear they're the new Jim and Tammy. Of all of their sins, and we're so thankful that God has forgiven us. We don't know what the future holds, but I can assure you, Jim and Tammy someday will be helping people again. Yeah because we must help people, because God has helped us so very, very much. I think the enemy planned this at the time when we would be down, when we were just getting back up again and getting ready to minister. We felt the second half of our ministry. You know, I've walked through this yard, Tammy, and the sun has been shining, and yet a song's been going through my head. The sun will shine again. I got to stop it there, because Tammy's going to sing. And Tammy said, they're out in this beautiful backyard. And somewhere in a studio with a live audience, they're watching these people from their home that was paid for by all these folks. And then that was in my head as I heard Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren in this PTL-like program. So what we're looking at is an effort to move
6: in exactly the wrong direction. Yep. And let us be clear. Let me reiterate this. Republicans are not comfortable with this. Thousands of people will die. There's no question in my
1: mind. That when you throw 23 million
6: people. You know, off actually,
3: that it's insurance. not even. It's not just you on this one, Bernie. There have actually been studies about the impact of not having health care coverage. And what happens is that people don't get the preventive care they need. They don't get the checkups. They, they, don't, don't, go get the the they, they don't go to the doctor when they should go to, the, to doctor. the doctor.
1: You have
6: talked to, and I have talked to doctors. Yep who have said, I have lost patience, because by the time they walk into the office, they're much sicker than they should have been. All right, so what kind of crazy world is this? And I want to get back to the point Elizabeth just made. We are not a poor country. We should not be talking about severe austerity efforts. We are the
2: richest country in the history of the world. So here's Bernie doing the pitch. All he's missing right now is the phone number that says, "Send your dollars to the Bernie and Elizabeth Church of the Progressive Life, and we will solve all your problems. We will bestow upon you the single-payer universal health program." Can I get an amen for Bernie and Elizabeth? It's seriously. And am, am I crazy on this? Triple eight nine hundred thirty-three ninety-three eight eight 888-900-3393. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? And and first of all, Bernie's saying we're the we're the richest country. We can afford this. Then why are we twenty trillion dollars in debt? And why do we have a hundred and twenty trillion dollars in unfunded liabilities going forward? Here's some more of the Bernie and Elizabeth PTL program.
6: Most people don't know that because almost all new income and wealth is going to the people on top.
2: But you do know that. And Elizabeth knows that. And I know that. Both of these people have book deals. Bernie's just netted him almost 800000 Most of that money's going to the people on top. They're just like Jim and Tammy Faye. The only thing missing is Elizabeth to either break out in song or start crying and have her mascara run down her face. I know, it's a bit of a reach, but I'm telling you, this is the PTL club. This is politics becoming religion for the progressive socialist minded youth in America. These two are going to try and make that happen. These two are going to try and fill that gap. These two are trying to fill in the faith that was so badly maligned when these kids went to college, when these, these snowflakes went to college. We saw it at the rallies this summer. I, I, I know it's a bit of a reach, but trust me, politics is becoming a religion for the snowflakes, for the misguided, for the uninformed. And, and if, I'm, if I'm wrong, God, I hope I'm wrong, because then maybe kids will find faith. Maybe they'll grow up and find something other than a government to worship, because when you start worshiping government— you get what we're seeing in North Korea and China, and that soulless robots. The robots are already headed our way. We don't need to turn the humans into robots. Just a little bit of a commentary. Bernie and Elizabeth, the progressive Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. We'll be right back. Look, write this down. Write it down. And, and after the show, pick up the phone and call this number. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. That's Relief Factor. That is where you order the three-week quick start pack. It's $19.95. It's got everything you need to try Relief Factor for three weeks and see if it does for you what it did for me. Yesterday, I lifted an 80-pound air conditioner put it in a window, set the thing up, didn't even think about it. But I woke up this morning. My back was going, Oh, no. And I thought, what did I do? Instead of waiting for breakfast, I took the all natural anti-inflammatory relief factor, took the breakfast packet. And then I also did it at breakfast lunch. And I'll do it at dinner tonight. And guess what? I'm still not needing any pain medication because the inflammation went down. That was the source of the pain in my back. I feel wonderful. I'm not going to lift another air conditioner today, but Relief Factor saved my cheese. All natural, anti-inflammatory. You want to know more, go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call them and ask the questions. 800-500-8384, 800 500 83, 84, it is relief factor. Before we get out of here, i got a couple of things I need to address. Number one, yesterday we heard from one of the most powerful people in Washington, and uh, by, by extension, one of the most powerful people in the world. We heard from someone that we really have never heard from before. And uh, I go back to an old saying, I think it was from Will Rogers if you ain't listening, you ain't learning. And this person, I think, has been spending the first hundred and what is it, 130 some days of this presidency, advising the president and listening, sitting quietly and listening and taking it all in, not rushing to the cameras, not publishing op eds, but just listening that person is the president's son-in-law jared kushner and yesterday we heard from jared kushner for the first time and it was all that the mass media could do not to not to just fall all over themselves to find a way to mock jared kushner for what his voice they didn't like his voice You know, and as a guy who was told years ago, oh, you'll never get on radio. You've got a voice that's, it's just not right. I I was always a believer that it's the, the quality of the content and not the dulcet tones that will get you a career in broadcasting. So when Jared Kushner stood up in front of the technology leaders and said this.
1: We created the White House
2: Office of American Innovation in an effort to bring business sensibility to a government that for too long has relied on past practices as automatic justification for their continuation. Right there, listen to the content. Don't care about the fact that he sounds young. Oh, God forbid he's young. Listen to what he's saying. Jared Kushner came out yesterday and spoke in front of the world for the first time, and the left couldn't wait to mock him. Now, can you imagine? Yeah, I'm going to play the whataboutery game. What if that had happened to an advisor under Barack Obama or Bill Clinton? Uh, Anybody who dared mock them would have been called uh, ageist, would have been uh, brought out in the public square and and called all kinds of names. How dare you make fun of his voice? Good for you, Jared Kushner. He's on his way to the Middle East right now. To maybe listen and see if we can get moving closer to some peaceful understanding between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Maybe. So go ahead, mass media. Mock away. You're just going to look stupid. That's all I'm telling you. Who cares what his voice sounds like? Listen to what he's saying. Listen to the words that are coming out of his mouth and then react, then make a decision. It's just, it's just so infuriating at times. And I don't know Jared Kushner. I just know that uh, Donald Trump tries to get the best people he can to run his companies. In many cases, they're his kids, and he has faith in them. And I don't think he'd let his daughter marry a fool. I think, I think this kid's got a lot going on. So shame on you, mainstream media, for mocking Jared Kushner. Listen to what he has to say. I leave you with a quote from Heinrich Heine. One should forgive one's enemies, but not before they're hanged. One should forgive one's enemies, but not before they're hanged. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka
1: with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: The Blaze Radio Network on demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka.
1: This is Pure Opelka
2: with Mike Opelka.
1: Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back. Second hour, Pure Pelka. We are, uh, we are diving into a lot of things, and uh, I have a bunch of emotion and anger inside me today. And uh, most of it's about, I, I kind of feel like I might be on the verge of becoming a snowflake. Although, I don't know if it's legitimate or not. I need you, to, you guys to tell me, am I becoming a snowflake? Seriously. The phone number, if you want to weigh in, triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Am I exhibiting telltale signs of snowflakiness, snowflakedom, or am I just someone who's saying, no, this isn't right; it must stop. And I was, I was going to use the word fairness in this next story, in the discussion of this next story, because I, I think what's going on here isn't fair to the rest of us, and. And then it struck me, am I being a snowflake? Because fairness. And, yeah, we'll we'll cover whatever happens in the, the White House press briefing that's scheduled to go on in a little bit. And, yeah, we'll update you on on everything uh, that may be coming out of the White House after after the meeting with um, where the Ukrainian diplomats came by today. And if we have any news on what's going to happen after our American child came home and and died just days after being released from Norway, we'll get into that. But I have to get you this story because because fairness. Do you remember Lawrence Taylor? Lawrence Taylor does that name ring a bell? Lawrence Taylor is, was a football player. He's now in his late fifties, fifty-eight years old. He was a linebacker for the New York Giants. A guy set all kinds of records when he was a player. A guy who has two Super Bowl championships under his belt. He retired in 1993. Lawrence Taylor made a lot of money as a football player. Had a lot of fame. And he also had problems. Lawrence Taylor had some run-ins with the law. In 2010, he pled guilty to patronizing a prostitute and having sex with a minor. I'm pretty sure he's had some rehabs for some drug-related issues. But over the weekend, so now you've got a guy who pled guilty to um, patronizing a prostitute and having sex with a minor. This is a guy who's got a criminal record. And over the weekend, seven years after that criminal record was exposed or, or was admitted to, over the weekend, Lawrence Taylor was arrested and pled guilty for driving under the influence after he sideswiped a police car and a motorhome in Florida. He sideswiped a police car and a motorhome and they, uh, they pulled him off the road and they gave him, they gave him a field sobriety test, which he failed. Then they took him to jail a few year a few hours later, like five hours later, they said, "We're going to give you a breathalyzer test." When they gave him the breathalyzer test almost five hours later, he still was over the blood alcohol limit of the state of Florida five hours after he was arrested, according to the arrest report, he measured. and the legal limit in the state is 0.08 and again this was five hours after he failed a field sobriety test. Lawrence Jones pled guilty. Now what do you think happens to a guy after he has been convicted of, uh, of patronizing a prostitute and also having sex with a minor and has some previous problems in his background. What kind of leniency or hard sentence do you think a guy like that gets? He's, he's, um, he's been sentenced to perform 75 hours of community service. He also has to enroll in DUI prevention courses. It says enroll. It doesn't say show up and complete. He has to pay $1,500 in fines. And um, he has to install one of those ignition interlocks on his Bentley. Now, do you think you and I would get the same treatment? No, of course not. There's absolutely no way in hell that would happen. But Lawrence Jones, because he's got two Super Bowl rings... I'm sorry, Lawrence Taylor. Did I say Lawrence Jones? I hope he's listening. (laughs) Lawrence Taylor. I got Lawrence Jones on the mind. (laughs) Oh, he's going to smack me. Lawrence Taylor, because he's got two Super Bowl rings, doesn't get jail time. He's got to do 75 hours of community service. You know what that is? That's not even two weeks worth of work. Not even two weeks worth of work. My apologies to Lawrence Jones. <laughs> Lawrence Taylor, former football player, treated differently than you and I. Just to let you know, there's, there is a different system outside of the one that you and I are a part of. And it's the same thing we were discussing today. We're discussing uh, whether or not Anthony Weiner will actually spend time in jail. I'm still betting. He makes a deal to spend zero time in prison. After all, the judge who uh, who said he was going to sentence him scheduled the sentencing hearing after the summer Hampton season ends. So that Anthony Weiner can spend his summer in the Hamptons wondering about how much jail time he's going to get. And, you know, there's all kinds of wrangling going on behind the scenes. Just maddening, isn't it? I know. I know. And speaking of maddening, yesterday, the Russians said to America, we don't like what you did with the Syrian jet. We're not pleased that you shot down a Syrian jet just because it was bombing some of the forces that you are supporting. And so they told us that any American plane that crosses the Euphrates River, goes west of the Euphrates River in that region, will be considered an enemy incursion. Well, today there's a report on, uh, on Fox News, the world site, that an armed Russian jet came within five feet of a United States reconnaissance flight over the Baltic Sea. A Russian Su-27 jet, which has air-to-air missiles under its wing, uh, approached a, a U.S. jet, an RC-135, And uh, according to the report on the Fox News site, came within five feet of the American aircraft. Now, that's that's a little disturbing. And it's also uh, the report calls it provocative. I'd say it's more than provocative. I'd say that that is uh, that is pretty damn near intimidating and wanting an attack. Now, since June 2nd of this year. According to this report, there have been more than 35 such interactions in the Baltic region between the American and the Russian jets and warships. But this one, this one has been called unsafe by at least one official. And it happens one day after the Russians said, hey, uh, watch it. And also follows up on the same day of another report saying that uh, we have shot down drones In Syria now military drones not somebody who's got a camera on a drone flying it over the area so we need we need to actually have a moment where we can maybe try and get the uh, channels of communication opened up again between the American diplomats and the Russian diplomats now that the the phone line that supposedly keeps us from having mid-air collisions in the region has been knocked out now that that line is down Uh, We need some diplomacy here. And I'm hoping the president and Rex Tillerson will make that a priority. Interesting. Right? Right. All right. At the bottom of the hour, we are supposed to speak to a gentleman who just returned from North Korea. Uh, He is a man who's in law enforcement, who was on one of those tours. He sent me some photos, and I'm really intrigued to find out what he thinks about the story of Otto Warmbier. We all know what, well, I think it's a general consensus that Otto Warmbier was murdered by the North Koreans. Glenn Beck had a pretty interesting take on it this morning, almost in a a mafioso-like dumping of a dead body on the front porch of their opposition, of their rivals, saying, all right, now what are you going to do? We're in your neighborhood. What are you going to do about it? It's a a little troubling to see that happen but we'll see what his take is on this. Plus, uh, with any luck, uh, my buddy Simon Owen is going to check in from London and give us an update on what's going on in London and see if we can um, get the latest on what the investigation is into that crash and uh, that that hit the people outside the mosque, as well as the Parisian attack, which I still believe was terrorism. And uh, And while we're at it, How about a little uplifting story? We've been talking about some stories that are disturbing and seem to be unfair. But there is an uplifting story today, and uh, it it includes the update that Steve Scalise, the congressman, the House Majority Whip from Louisiana, who was shot just about a week ago, that he's upgraded into a, a more stable situation, hopefully to recover. And if we Believe what his doctors told us at the initial press conference. If they can get him healthy, he can recover to the point where he will be able to walk and run as much as he wants to, as much as his will and will to recover will let him achieve. But here's the warm story, the warm part of this story. The Washington Examiner reports that uh, North Carolina Republican Representative Patrick McHenry's wife, Julia, is coordinating with other house spouses and they're providing daily lunches and dinners to the Scalise family. Just a great story to see that, that the, the women who are serving alongside their husbands in DC have gathered themselves and their spirits together and are trying to help the Scalise family. McHenry, Mrs. McHenry, Julia, is also hosting a blood drive on Capitol Hill. And this is according to Politico. This story is just proof that there are good folks out there who will come together. And uh, I remember, I remember one day looking out my neighbor's window and seeing ambulances pulled down our, the street in our little subdivision outside of Chicago. And my buddy Pete and I decided, I, I was eight or nine years old, wow, fire trucks, ambulance, we got to go see what's going on. And we rode our bikes down the street only to see it was happening at our house that the door flung open and out on a gurney wheeled with a, an oxygen mask over his face was my dad. And he was struggling to breathe. He couldn't breathe. And as an eight or nine-year-old, you're sitting there going, oh, my God, what's going on? And you watch him throw that gurney into the back of the ambulance and drive off. And my mom is in, crawling inside to go with them. And she's crying. And you don't know what the hell is going on. My dad had a near fatal asthma attack that day. and They managed to save his life. And then he lived the rest of his life and, as an asthmatic. But he, he managed his illness. But that was the scariest day I had as a kid. And I remember that subdivision, that little Wonder Years-like subdivision came together and all the moms came over that night because he wasn't coming home that night. He was coming home in a couple of days and maybe mom was coming home late, but all of a sudden we were surrounded by casseroles. Because that's what you did. That was the Catholic response to tragedy. You brought food. But it was also proof that that's what we need to do. That's what we all need to do. Nobody looked and said, are those Opelka's Republicans or Democrats? They were just a family in need. And they responded to the need, not the politics. Look for the need first. Respond as humans. That's what all of us need to do. Good for you, members of the House, the wives of the members of the House who are looking after the Scalise family. Kind of gives you hope, doesn't it? We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka
2: on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today.
1: To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Belka. on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I will tell you this, um, North Korea is a place I would have wanted to go. I actually would have wanted to go, and now uh, with the death of Otto Warmbier, I'm, I'm wondering if I'd be able to behave myself while, while over there. So it's probably a good thing I didn't know about these tours that take people from different places. I, they're very um, low-cost tours, from what I understand. They are tours that take you into North Korea, and you don't get to see too much. Well, you don't get to see anything the government doesn't want you to see. But I, I would have had a hard time holding my tongue. As you know, I might be a little bit of a smartass. So uh, that that might have been difficult for me uh, to keep my mouth shut. So... I. Uh, I guess I'm glad that they've decided they're not going to take Americans on their on their trips anymore, because I now I have I have an excuse to say I can't I can't go there. I'm sorry. I can't go there. Just around the corner, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to a guy who did just get back from North Korea, a guy who is a member of law enforcement who connected with me through some of the stunt brainiac network here. On the Twitter and on the Facebook, and so we'll we'll be able to uh, discuss that also, I, our buddy Simon Owen, who reports for Fox News Radio out of London, uh, reached out and uh, we talk a little bit about Paris and London and what's going on, so we'll get an update on that and uh, remember we talked about what about hurry earlier we talked about the fact that in 2009 and early 2010 the republicans sound like the democrats sound today talking about whoa we didn't get to see the bill we didn't get to vote on the bill we got locked out yeah yeah it's just about switching uniforms it's not about actually getting anything done and it's irritating to those of us who expect our congressmen and senators to actually do something and and then And then we got the flashback courtesy of uh, someone in Louis Gohmert's office who sent me a clip saying, oh, don't forget when there was hypocrisy all over the place in the Democratic Party over immigration. They want the administration, the Trump administration, to continue pressing for border security and build the wall. And they sent me this clip.
6: The bill before us will certainly do some good. It will authorize some badly needed funding for better fences and better security along our borders. Sound familiar? That should help stem some of the tide of illegal immigration in this country.
2: I don't oppose building a fence where you need to do it, where the border is porous. I just don't have a problem with that.
3: Well, look, I voted uh, numerous times when I was a senator to spend money to build a a barrier, a barrier to try to prevent a barrier. Um, hmm. illegal immigrants from coming in. Interesting. Um, and I do think you have to control your borders. Interesting.
2: We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Interesting, isn't that? Interesting to see all of those Democrats saying things about the border. It kind of is the, the same situation with health care. It's the same situation. We need to address this and we need to address it. And, and I'm telling you, save the date, Election Day 2018. We need better conservatives. When we get back, let's talk North Korea with a guy who just got back. Next, I'm Puro Pelka.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka
1: on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: One of the most fascinating things about my job is not that I get to be on the radio spewing my opinion, but it's I get to speak to fascinating people with wonderful stories. I get to live vicariously through some of their travels and I get to experience their opinions. And this happens with the callers to this show. Those of you who pick up the phone and join the conversation, 888 thirty three ninety three. those of you who weigh in on Twitter, those of you who will then occasionally say, I have a friend you need to meet, you need to talk to, I have a friend who has a story to tell, and it's happened so many times over the three plus years of the existence of Pure Opelka on the weekends and now the Daily Show. And it seems to be happening more and more as we go on this journey together. And as someone who believes in that statement, there are no coincidences. There are just things happening that are supposed to happen to you. And if you're paying attention, there's, there's an important lesson there somewhere. Well, about two weeks ago, a good friend of this show who listens faithfully said, I have a buddy... Who just got back from North Korea and he sent me the contact information and some of the pictures that this man was sending back from North Korea and he said you probably need to talk to him and at the time there was all this going on in the bluster of the the missile launches etc and the discussions of what are we going to do and the hand-wringing over how are we going to prevent the world from blowing up and Kim Jong-un from doing something really foolish and we kept missing our connections and then in the wake of the the release of out of warm beer suddenly the connection was much better and so today joining us on the phone is a guy who's just come back from North Korea a man named Brian Saylor who is uh, a guy in law enforcement who who has an interesting story to tell about his experience in North Korea, what he saw, what he experienced, because he spent time in South Korea and in North Korea. And, um, you know, Brian, I, I welcome you to the show. I wish I'd met you in person. We've only spoken briefly, but I appreciate the fact you, you said, let's carve out some time and talk here. Uh, how you doing today, sir?
6: Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the program.
2: Well, I'm I'm glad you're here now, now, you planned this trip months ago, and I, I guess my first question is, why did you want to go to North Korea?
6: Well, that's right. I started planning, um, you know, late last fall, I guess, sometime around October, November. And um, the reason I wanted to go to North Korea is that I've had this sort of long-standing interest in Korea. Um, back in 1998, I was stationed in South Korea, as an enlisted soldier in the U S army for the whole year from January to December, 1998. And um, I didn't particularly like being in the army, but I enjoyed being in South Korea. It was my first time in a foreign country other than Canada. And so it was a real experience that uh, I got to kind of contact a a foreign culture for the first time. And so I developed an affinity for it and appreciation for it. I got as far away from, the military stuff uh, on my days off as I could. And I went out and kind of experienced the place. And um, I liked it enough that after I got back out of the army, I went to college. I returned to Korea as an exchange student, as a civilian uh, in South Korea. And I spent a semester at Yonsei university, which is dead in the middle of Seoul. And I got to experience the country without being in the military. And that kind of reinforced um uh, my appreciation for it do you and speak so, the language um,
2: Brian were you were you fluent
6: uh no not at all I um, I just I, I picked up a few phrases and I kind of learned how to read and pronounce some of the letters of the alphabet um, but I didn't actually study the language to the point where I could could use it with any fluency um, but late last fall like you said I started planning and I decided well I'd like to revisit You know, South Korea, because it's been so long since I was back and and I started making the plans. I got a little carried away uh, and I ended up deciding that if I'm going to fly that far, that I should make a big tour of Asia out of it. So I actually visited South Korea, China, Tibet and North Korea.
2: Well, in, in terms of getting into North Korea, did you go with one of these tour groups that takes people from different countries and has diplomatic ties to North Korea? Or how did you get in there?
6: Well, you have to go with a tour company um, if the purpose is tourism. There are, there are some people that go there for um, you know teaching and there are people that go there to work for humanitarian organizations and NGOs and stuff like that. But if you want to go for tourism, you have to go through one of the approved uh, tourism companies. So I went with one. It's actually a U.S.-based company. Uh, it's based out of New Jersey, uh, run by an American who's ethnically Korean, and um, they they handle all the arrangements. They handle the um, the visa application and all that kind of stuff.
2: Okay, so you get you get there and you spend a, a few weeks. You said touring south korea and then how long were you actually across across the DMZ into north korea
6: uh, it was a five night six day tour yeah
2: and were you constantly under the watch of north korean military
6: uh no uh, actually i didn't really see any military at all except for the brief tour that i had of the dmz when i was on the north korean side i had a um an army, I think he was a lieutenant that was the guide just at the d m z but the rest of the time I had civilian tour guides um I think that 's one of the misconceptions that people get if they only learn about North Korea from the media is that it 's that it 's all it 's all military, everybody there's in uniform and it 's all missiles and it 's this and that and it 's uh and it 's not i mean at least not in my experience well um, some so of the no, pictures i didn't think- i didn't
2: I was going to say some of the pictures you posted of uh, the housing and the the hotels and the buildings. It looks like a high rise city, but there's one thing that seems to be missing. And that's pretty much people and normal traffic that uh, as someone who lived in New York City for years, for decades, I would be panicked if I looked out my window and saw nobody on the streets or the sidewalks. And it just seems like it's a, it's a Hollywood prop when you look at some of the pictures. Uh,
6: well, that's a criticism, I guess, that a few of my uh, friends pointed out, that there don't seem to be many people in the photos. Um, I'm not really sure why that is, because I saw plenty of people. Uh, maybe that's more of a commentary on my photographic style, I guess. I don't know. I <laughs> tend to take pictures okay. of things when there aren't people sort of photobombing, I guess. Um But, uh, no, I mean, I saw plenty of people. It was, uh, if you were there at rush hour, you know, there were plenty of people moving around. And, um, you know, that is one of the criticisms that that people have, that these tours or that much of what you see there is somehow staged or that it's a prop. And, you know, I crisscrossed the capital city for three out of the six days I was there. And it's pretty hard to, to fake or stage or prop a whole city. Um, And so I didn't get that impression. Um, It could be, you know, the times of days that I was that I was seeing things, maybe not being at rush hour while most people were at work, things like that. But I saw people out and about walking, playing in parks, doing things that people do on the weekends, stuff like that. So I guess my there's a dearth of, of people in my photos, but that may be more more the photographer than than the actual country, I guess.
2: You show a couple of parks where people are playing on a Sunday, playing volleyball or something like that, or kids on a playground. But it's still when when I look at the photos and they are they are pretty darn amazing. The photos you posted on Facebook, I don't know if they're open or if you post them in any open source area. The architecture in many places is very modern. Uh, The 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 rest of the high rises, which look like residential high rises, appear to be kind of like 1960s New York City high rises. And some of the mass transit looks like looks like 1960s electric trains that you'll see in any big city. Uh, But I I, I'm just curious, did you get any sense of the kind of uh, oppressive regime that we so often hear about? Uh, or is there an awareness of the Western world? Because we always hear that North Korea is isolated, that they'd have no right. idea what we're about, what the Internet's about, or anything like that.
6: Um, so that's a great question. And um, I have to say that one of the, the, the big impressions that I carried away from my time there is is that... Um, they actually know a lot about what's going on in the world. Um, At least the people that I interacted with. um, They asked me questions about a whole variety of things. I had two English-speaking tour guides uh, the entire time I was on the trip, and we interacted with quite a few people along the way at the different places that we visited. And I had conversations with them about a whole variety of things. They do get news. I mean, they get it from their you know, their official news source. So they get their spin on it, but they get news. So they, they asked me about things like why James Comey had been fired. And that was only like a week out or two weeks after it had happened. They asked me about why Trump was under investigation over uh, Russia. Um, they asked what people in the West think about the missile tests. They asked about what is American popular opinion about bringing troops home eventually from South Korea, you know. So they asked me about some very current things, and they asked me about other things, too, that didn't have anything to do with politics. I mean, they asked me about just kind of daily life and pop culture and stuff. But, um, you know, they do get news. In fact, when I was when I was there, North Korea conducted one of their missile tests on a Wednesday, right in the middle of the the week that I was there, and I knew about it. On the same day because my hotel had two English language news channels in the room so I watched the coverage of it.
2: Yeah, I and, uh, Brian Brian, yeah. hang on one second can you I want to take a short break can you stay with me because I want to talk about that the, the TV coverage was courtesy of Al Jazeera and I want to find out what it was like to be in North Korea when there was a missile test and the coverage in your hotel was from Al Jazeera. Uh, can you yeah. hang on one second? Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're talking to Brian Saylor. He's an American who just got back from a pretty extensive trip in uh, the Far East, which included five days in North Korea. And we'll get back to this right after a break.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: I could talk to this guy for hours. Brian Saylor's with us. He's just back from North Korea. Finished a a trip that let him spend five days in North Korea, six days, five nights in North Korea, getting to see parts of the, the nation that we don't see. And some of the pictures, Brian, some of the architecture really stunning, the technology stunning. Um it's obvious that it's it's all controlled all the information is controlled the government lets out or lets be seen what they want to be seen so uh I I part of me wants to say I wish you were able to break away from the group for a day and ride a motorcycle out into the country and see what they don't have showing but when we left you were talking about you were there when one of the missile launches happened And uh, the television that you had in the hotel, the English-speaking television, was Al Jazeera. That was English-speaking. And what was the tone you felt in that?
6: Um, So actually, on the topic of the missile test, um, Al Jazeera and the one other English channel that I had, which was something that came out of China, um, they were actually fairly you know, right down the middle. They, they didn't editorialize a great deal either way. Um, in fact, one of the two, and I don't remember which one, actually featured comments from a South Korean defense official condemning the test. And I'm sitting there in my hotel room in North Korea watching it. <laughs> and um, so that was pretty much down the middle. Um, Al Jazeera kind of focused more that week on Trump's visit to Saudi Arabia, because that was happening at the same time, and so Al Jazeera being based in the Middle East, that was kind of more what they were interested in. But the, um, the coverage on the missile tests, I thought was, you know, fairly balanced. They mentioned that it was a violation of U.N. resolutions prohibiting the tests and stuff. So it seemed um, it seemed pretty down the middle to me.
2: Now, in this in this trip, and I've only got like a minute left here, uh, as I've looked at all the, the stuff you've, you've shown us, Uh, And and I hope people will track you. It's uh, do you mind if I give out your Facebook, uh, the spelling of your name? Sure. Go ahead. It's uh, S.A.Y.L.E.R. Brian Saylor. S.A.Y.L.E.R. Brian has posted many photos. Uh, Would you say we have anything to fear from North Korea or do you feel like we actually have a, a situation where we might be able to establish diplomacy and diplomatic relations with this country?
6: That's a great question and and I could, kind of like you said when you came back on the air, you could talk about it for hours. I feel like I could talk about it for hours. It's it's hard to pack that into a minute. Um, We have a choice in front of us, the way I see it. Given all the tension, given what just happened with Mr. Warmbier, uh, we have a choice about which direction we can go. We can try more hostility and more isolation and more sanctions and hope that works. Or we can try something different. And well, you know maybe maybe there's a chance that could happen. I think that might be more successful if we
1: did.
2: Thank you, Brian. We're up against with Michael Belka
1: on the Blaze radio Network.